Hey, welcome back to Bobblehead Podcast. Today, Tim and I dive into a bit of a business topic and um, kind of the overall premise of of when to kill a project at work. Give a little bit of background on when to start it and what should constitute a project and what shouldn't, but more, how do you know when it's time to end that project and no longer invest the resources into it? So as always, we're glad you're here. Let's get started. I like your thinking. It's, for you and I, that's rare. It is rare. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a good quitter. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I am. I am. But certain things. It's an ego thing. Maybe we'll talk about it. Yeah. That's how you been, man. Any better than have to call me Tim Elliott? It's it's <laughs> did, did that you, bad. Did huh? you believe that? <laughs> that bad, huh? Oh man, it's it's been it's been hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. In a it's, good way. It's it's um, you know, I hope to one day go by go back and write a book about just you know an entrepreneur's experience over 25 years right um and i don't want to write a i don't want to be one of those weirdos that write a book about my life because it's not that interesting at least to most people some people might laugh and sure. think, man that sucker right um but i would think it would be really interesting to just to just to, for nothing else to be able to to write and i'm not a good writer but write kind of what's transpired over the last 25 years and for nothing else for me to go back and read about it or rethink about it or talk through it or whatever it is because it might be interesting interesting is an interesting way to put that yeah i would in, i would imagine the the biography or even autobiography of tim elliott would be equal parts color by number choose your own <laughs> adventure and graphic novel i like that and the title would be playing with colors <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. The, the, and the subtitle can be "Why not eat crayons?" Yeah, seriously. No, you didn't spend time as a marine, but it, it, it would be an interesting exercise for sure to go through yeah. and kind of and go into yeah. that. But yeah, you know, it, it's it's been a couple of, last couple of weeks have been just fast and furious. It's been busy. You know, we can't share everything with what's going on, but. um it's been busy. Yeah, it really has. Like, and, and there's things that give energy, right? And we talk about this discipline mm-hmm. all the time. Like, yeah. there's that 80% of your job, or maybe depending on the percentage, mm-hmm. that just gives you energy and that you love to do and to get you out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of it, which is like the sausage making. Right. And we are just neck deep. Oh, gosh. In that side of it the right ma- now. If the machine's turned up to 110%. Yeah, and, and, and it's stuff that... <laughs> that wakes me up in, at one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or, or, you know, like, like yeah. gives me a case of the, of the Sunday scaries. And again, yeah. it's good. We're learning. We're, we're, we're growing. We're, it's yeah. good. Things are happening. Yeah. But my word, man, yeah. like I came in here, like, like I, I felt like I looked at the, at the clock and I'm like, I know we had a podcast at noon. I'm like, it felt like a work day yeah. this morning from yeah. seven twenty till, yeah. till noon is, has, has felt like a work day. And you know, that's, it, and, and I think we, we get spoiled because we get to somewhat control our day. Mm-hmm. Um, me more than you for sure. But, you know, I think about so many people who their whole day is from 7 a.m. till 6 p.m., just meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting and, you know, dealing with stuff. And, you know, I just I thought about these guys. I've got a good friend, Matt, that, you know, runs a really, really big company. And it's, you know, my the, the stress I have on me versus the stress he has on him is completely different stress. Yeah. And, you know, I stress about different things. And, I, and I, the things I, get concerned about are different things that he does. And so we get together, we hang out and kind of talk through some of that stuff. And I usually leave going, man, I'm glad you're doing that. Cause I couldn't do it. 
Yeah, you know, and, and we have such a different take on meetings. You know, I remember mm-hmm. that was one of the things when I first started here was mm-hmm. it was endless meetings on calendars for mm-hmm. for the executive team. And I'm of the belief that when you're meeting, you're not executing. Absolutely. And and so we've been so mindful about minimization of the meetings because it's that whole in the military say one thirds, two thirds, one thirds planning, two thirds execution. Right. That should be how mission planning is broken down. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that because meetings are good. There's a lot of brainstorming. There's a lot of positive things that happen, but it, if you're not careful, it leaves you with zero time to execute. Yeah. And the end of the day comes and you have all these great ideas in your head, but you, you have not a single plan to execute on even one of those items. Right. And it, it just stuff just stacks up meeting after meeting after meeting. And, and so I'm, I do not define my day is a success or a failure by the number of meetings. That oh I have gosh, order. no. And, and you know, that would that's be almost a whole separate talk about, we, need, we should have worn our t-shirt from Sophie again, <laughs> Seriously. but you know, this is, that's for another podcast, but you know, this, this is, and that is, you know, what do you see the success at the end of the day versus what I see success at the end of the day? You know, it goes back to you and me think very differently. Mm-hmm. And um, that would be really fun and interesting to talk through. Yeah. And know. Lisa's actually in the middle of that now because she's kind of, working through her you and i talked about it this morning she's mm-hmm. working through her her new role mm-hmm. at the company that she's at now and you know she's kind of taking on some management responsibilities and you know i'm like you're just you're on meetings all day long mm-hmm. she's like yeah you know we're just working on the planning and i'm like okay so let's go through this process of of figuring out what what is the effective percentage of the time where you should be meeting about something versus right. the time where it should be you in a door closed and blank space on your calendar getting the things done that need mm-hmm. to get that, that you plan for in the meeting and, and that's a hard, that's a hard balance for people to come up with, especially when you're at the beginning of that kind of management leadership journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to spend so much time engaging and interacting and, and feel like you're in the mix. And the more meetings you have, the more information that you have. And I think that that's true for a very short period of time. But then after that, it needs to be, those meetings need to get rolled back. And, and your, your time is, it, it, your, your value is quantified based on, the decisions that you make, not the amount of time that you spend in a meeting. Yep. And it kind of goes back to, to, you know, we've talked about it so many times in this podcast is, you know, I'm an idea guy and I could, I could, I could meet for two hours and give you guys any, enough projects to look into or work on for a month. Yeah. And, and that's in a matter of three or four hours, mm-hmm. but that's, I'm constantly thinking. And, and when you're entrepreneurial, you know, like I'm sure, you know, her boss is it's constantly, I had this idea and I had this idea and you almost can't get through and start a project without another one getting started. And, and that's the trouble with meetings is meetings are great, but at some point in time, like you said, you've got to execute on those, which kind of leads us perfectly into yeah, really what does. we're going to talk about today. Well done. And that's really, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A very, very few times <laughs> I do that um, is dealing with projects. And, you know, if you think about the storyline of, of an idea, you know, the idea comes to you in some form or fashion. The idea is thought about, um, it's honed down, it's shared, it's honed, it's shared, it's honed, it's honed. And at some point in time, if the idea is good enough, it turns into a project, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that you've been really good about is helping the group and me especially determine those are all great ideas, but which one are we want to really turn into a project? Yeah. Which one of those ideas are worthwhile in one of these, you know, two or three areas that are important to the company right now that, you know, if, if sometimes it's a, you, you need ideas that are revenue, they're about revenue. Some you need on products. Sometimes you need it on uh, organizational structure. Sometimes it's on, you know, it's a million, it can be a million things, 
but eventually they get turned into a project and that project can have, um, you know, a bunch of people involved. It can have one or two people involved. Sometimes it's just you and your projects that you have working. And so I think the topic that we want to discuss today is, you know, we probably won't dive into how to make something a project, but just as importantly is, you know, when do you kill a project? Yeah. When is it time to say enough is enough and kill a project? Man, that's a deep topic. I do want to go back for one second and, and, and talk about what should constitute a project I, in 30 seconds or less. Yeah, is a, a lot of companies, I think, especially younger companies that are kind of going through that, that initial growth stage, they're, they're trying to decide what should become a project. And the problem is everything becomes a project. Yeah. And that goes back to the importance of, of objectives and key results mm-hmm. is you need to have a vision for your company. You need to have strategic objectives that support that vision and projects. If it doesn't support your strategic initiatives, mm-hmm. it doesn't become a project. Maybe later shelve it for later or yeah. and look, there, I'm going to caveat this with saying there are times where you do have to deviate from that. And we're, right. we're going through something like that now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But by and large, your guardrails should be your strategic initiatives, your, mm-hmm. your growth mission. And if it, and if it doesn't support it, don't do it because yeah. you, you, you'll, instead of doing a somewhat straight line, you just ping pong back and forth right. and you wonder why you never get anywhere. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I live on the opposite side of that wall sometimes. And that's, dealing with, if I see an opportunity, don't always have to take it, but we've got to consider it. Right. Right. And it's kind of like what we're dealing with right now with, you know, we have, we got one potential customer that's shown the light, shown the light, shine the light, whatever it is. Whatever. Um, she, they've shown us kind of an idea of what they would like. And we were kind of going down one path. And so we're going to kind of jump over probably one row to the left mm-hmm. and talk through that. And it could be very big. And so, you know, I, I think it's important to stay focused on on your mission and what you're doing. And but you know, there's also those times that, that still go along with your mission, especially when you're young. Part of your mission is to grow. Yeah. Part of your mission is to find what customers want. But um, you know, we you think about even a year and a half ago with where we were with um our engineering team, with our product team, you know, really focused and we've got to put guardrails on and and keep it this way. And so if this would have come up early in the process, I don't know that it would have been met with as much excitement as it was when we're kind of done with the product and now we're just honing it and it just came upon at the right time to be able to hone it in a direction yeah. that we thought, which yeah. makes it a little bit easier. Sure. Back then it didn't align with, with our core competencies of what our core product could do. Exactly. And that's the difference is we're not talking about deviating and making candles. We're talking about changing, pivoting by a few degrees the direction of, of where we're going to go based on our core competencies. And I think that's the biggest difference is yeah. people, people jump too much. Like they abandon what they were good at or what they set out to do to chase a whole new, a whole new rabbit. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know, you know me, I'm bad about that. Yeah. And that's, there's always a better idea. And, um, you know, I've kind of have to keep that toned a little bit. Yeah. And, and we all know, like, ultimately you, you hold the Trump card. Right. But, yeah. but you, but you've done a good job of, of reserving that for only when you need it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you, it, it's, and I think that's incumbent upon the overall leader of the organization yeah. to show that restraint. Yeah. Because if you just keep throwing down that Trump card, eventually you're just going to get people that are just looking at you waiting right. for you to tell them what to do next. And that's certainly not what you want. And and then you really never get those projects rolling and right. moving in the right way to finish yeah. them. Right. And, and you know, 
boy, this is a rabbit hole, but you know, a project, what it starts off to be, and we've talked about this a little bit, what the product starts off to be and what the product winds up being at the end, sometimes not exactly the same thing anyway, because you learn along the way, right? And you still come up with, you still have an outcome if you finish the project and you're still directionally in the same direction, but you might have course corrected two or three times in the middle of that based on things you didn't know or things that you thought were correct that weren't correct. Yeah, I would say there needs to be a degree of variance between what when project initiation and completion because you're not omnipotent. None of us are. None of us know exactly what the project needs to look like at the end. And if you involve people that are subject matter experts in that arena, mm-hmm. and if you involve people that aren't yes men, mm-hmm. they should have the empowerment and the voice to speak up and you should have the lack of ego to listen to them to alter it, right? right. And if if you if you do it the right way, I think there should always be deviation mm-hmm. of a project from its inception to its completion. Right. So let's get back to the, on the topic, and that's at what point in time do you say we need to kill this project? Mm. So let's talk about the different variables that lead up to that, and uh, and we don't have to probably go into depth on some projects that we've killed, but just think through of of why would you consider killing a project? Um, and you know, when you go to kill it and you talk to the team about killing the project, um, what goes into that from an emotional standpoint versus a logical standpoint versus a business standpoint, those are all two, three very different things. Yeah, man, you know, just thinking through this in real time, right? Cause you, we just talked about this topic about 30 seconds before we pushed the record button. You know, for me, I think the projects that tend to struggle the most and, and need to be killed the most frequently are the projects that lack direction that are a mm-hmm. little bit ambiguous, mm-hmm. um, that don't have a clear end state. Um, projects that become uh, resource constrained, you know, and that can be either through personnel, through capital, through any number of financial variables, and then no longer then the market will dictate it. It's no longer mm-hmm. viable mm-hmm. for where we're trying to go as an organization. I would say mm-hmm. those are the top three, just off the top yeah. of my head. And, and it, my thought would be along that with that is, you know, you make some assumptions going into a project. You have to. You yeah. never have all the facts. Sure. You can research it, but you never have all the facts. So you make some assumptions. And sometimes you you get, and we've all been there. We've been in a project where you have something hit and you're like, okay, we assume this and that's not correct. And so let's pivot this way. And we assume this and that's not correct. And then you, you I think you almost catch yourself maybe three or four assumptions in and all of them have been wrong where you say, okay, are we even close to where we started? And is this even a viable direction anymore? Yeah. And, and you, you may have done everything right, but your assumptions just weren't correct. And, and there's no way it's, it's easy for people to listen and say, well, you didn't do your research or, but the reality is, you know, you're creating something that may or may not have ever been created before. And so anytime you do that, it's a risk. And that risk is I'm making some assumptions that this is going to work this way or that people will want it this way. And that doesn't always come to be true. Yeah. I think, you know, going to example number three, you know, like market variables. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is beyond our control, Mm -hmm. right? And and you kind of have to break it down, but like self-inflicted wounds versus external variables, again, that, that that are beyond what we can control. Right. You know, last year's a prime example is, you know, Q1, and our industry was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then Q2 and Q3 hit, and a set of market conditions hit that were kind of really unforeseen and contracted the market significantly, caused the customers to spend less. And 
as a result of that, we had to make decisions on what it was that we did because it was the marketing conditions weren't set for it. And then the resources became constrained and you can push your way through, but at the end of it, you're going to have a product that's potentially too expensive and that the market doesn't want anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, once again, you see, you know, every project begins with an opportunity and you look at that opportunity and, and you weigh out, you know, what is, what, what's the best thing that can happen? Um, what's the worst thing that can happen? Um, what is, why are we doing this? And is there going to be a return, our investment for this project? And, you know, honestly, sometimes that pro those projects turn out to be way more successful. You know, I think about, you know, we've got a, a partner that we start off with and, and with a large project with them that we didn't know that was really going to be profitable. We did it just because we wanted to be a good partner and, mm -hmm. and it's turned out to be freaking amazing. Yeah. Right. And so that's one that we kind of got into. And after doing two or three or four or five or 10, we figured out this is going to be way more profitable than we ever dreamed it would be and way more, um, more in our wheelhouse than we thought it ever would be. And so we went into the project thinking one thing and it turned out to be way better, but there's also been ones that we started into like another one, the partner, and we thought it would be really big. And we, there are a lot of resources, this thing, and turns out it's not that great. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at that and there's going to be a point in time where we have to look at that and say, huh, is it worth it? Yeah. Is, is this project that we have a long-term project, is this worth it? And, you know, we're going to probably come, if it's that one or another one or a couple others that we have to stop, we've done some in the past. We said, you know, this is just not worth our time. It's not, there's no, there's not a return on our investment of resources, of attention, of, you know, fill in the blank that we just, it's not worth our time anymore. And you have to make that decision. And the first thing is kind of a gut decision at first of, I think this is the case. And then you kind of look at it and you talk through it. And you kind of run numbers on it. And, but I, I know for me, and this is kind of where I want to go with this is, man, the numbers show and the, the return shows that it should be killed and it should be over with. We should just cut our, cut it and move on. But there's that ego, that emotional part that says, man, we've worked so hard. We've thrown so much at this that man, I'd hate to I'd hate to throw it away. And so you kind of stay with it. No other reason, just hoping that something pops with it. And the reality is, man, it's probably not going to happen. But but emotionally, we're still hanging in there. Man, you bring up such an interesting point, especially you talk about the first partner, the one that's become mm -hmm. successful beyond what we ever could have imagined that it would mm -hmm. be. It, but if you remember, it was born from a project that was a failure. It was. And we had to make that tough decision to pull the plug on it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, with a different EHR vendor. Yep. You know, we kind of rolled out this model that we weren't, really entirely sure how to do it. And we just kind of went after it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our price point was a little bit too low and the customers weren't exactly who it was that we were looking for. So I, about a year before we we started the other one, decided to pull the plug on it and make it a passive revenue stream, mm -hmm. continue to support it, but we're no longer going to chase customers in this in vertical, space. right? And as a result of that, the lessons that we learned from that project that was a quote unquote failure mm -hmm. and the decision to pull the plug literally laid the foundation for us to to kick off that the the one that's been successful and if it weren't for that failure and mm -hmm. the decision to pull the plug and reallocate that capital elsewhere mm -hmm. we wouldn't have that one that's successful that's right very now. true i hadn't thought about that but you're you're yeah. you're right which which is another great lesson in that if when you do pull the plug on a project um you know do an after action report on it and think what did we learn from this what you know, let's don't waste it don't just trash it but you know stop 
stop the expenses, stop the resources. That's really what you're doing by killing yeah. the project. But but don't kill what you've learned. And and it's important with the team that was working on the project to really think through what did we learn? What are we going to take away? What do we have now that we didn't have before? Because you know, you're going to put some things on, on the shelf and you may come across another opportunity just like we did that you pull that thing back off the shelf and man, you dust it off and make a few tweaks and you saved yourself about a year, year and a half worth of work that you would have had to do with this other opportunity. And then it wouldn't have, you may not have been ready enough for that partner or that customer or whatever it is. And you may have lost out. Yeah. That's the only time it's a true failure, right? Is if you don't learn from it and, yeah. and reapply it to make yourself better and your organization better, that's the only time that you failed. Other than that, yeah. it's just a pivot. It's a pivot yep. towards the next thing to, uh, to make the company bigger, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. I think about that with my kids, you know, first project, <laughs> you know, was it a success? Was it a failure? <laughs> you know, my second kid. So I don't know what I have to ask them one day. Maybe when we talk, is this, I was going to say, were, were my kids, were, were my project, my kids, was it a failure? And let me, I mean, should I, should I just mark it up to, you know, maybe I learned something from it or, yeah. you know what I've decided? I, I decided I, I'm, I'm not gonna have any more kids. I was gonna say, I think your oldest and your youngest are gonna have different perspectives on that. I think they are. I, I think project. I've decided I'm not gonna have any more kids. I think we'll, we'll one day have some grandkids, which won't be my responsibility anyway. Mm. And so uh, I'm gonna pull the plug on that project. Yeah. Last, last question before we wrap it up. Completely off, off subject. But what's your <laughs> What's your grandpa name gonna be? Uh, oh, you know this. You just want to, you just want me to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So we came up with um, Jamie and I did this, and this is this is the ego side of me a little bit you know i don't want to be papa or i don't be grandma and i'm just i'm saying all this now and i'm saying it on the record that this is what i want it to be but i know what the, i know what's going to happen is this going to turn into something that doesn't make any sense and i'm going to be happy with it yeah so um jamie wanted to be called honey right instead of grandma or whatever and the name i came up with myself is awesome 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 yeah, and I, was, I want I was, my grandkids to call me awesome. Okay. I was hoping when you said, Jamie, you said, honey, you were going to be boo-boo. Be honey boo-boo. You like that? I, I think just consider it. Don't write it off now. It's just put it for a, a hard, project to be killed. It's a hard on. no. No, it's a hard no. A hard no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard no. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be awesome. Can, awesome. Well, there'll be some, some sound when I try to teach them that's my name. Yeah, that will come not, from that. That will stick. It's like my uh, my granddad. My I have a cousin that's my age named Jeff lives down in Houston, and we're both about the same age within a few month, within a month or two. And so uh, he called my granddad. Uh, my granddad's name was C.M. Miller Jr. Crystal Macon. Okay, my mom's side, which is kind of a cool name. It's yeah, actually a cool name, right? Uh, but instead of granddad, he called him Gangan, and we called him Dada because we're trying to say granddad and so we just so it was a you know you're trying to learn how to talk so it just stuck with him so it was gangan and dada so until he passed away he was gangan and dada that's cool is that weird no not at all and, and for me i've so i'm sure i'll be something i'll be a wawa yeah. or something you know yeah because yeah, 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 that's that's not an easy it, word it's, to say. yeah it's not a i want to be dude okay that okay i know somebody who was a dude i knew a dude i'm trying to think who it was but they were known as dude but the problem is, and somebody pointed this out to me, you know, kids tend to grasp the first letter or two and then repeat You'd be called doo-doo? I'd become doo-doo. And I was like, you know what? I've been called worse. worse than, I was called worse last than week. Dodo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Doo-doo. Dude. Yeah, I, I will be dude. I may. Or I'll just keep me. having grandkids. I may call you. Call keep you having dude. them have grandkids until one of them latches oh, one of them finally it. catches on to dude. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then then you only pay attention to the one that calls you. Exactly. Dude. Like that will be my favorite. When you yeah, you're talking to a four year old. When you call me by my real name, yeah, yeah, you get a sucker too. Yeah. Until then you can cry. Yeah. Choose wisely. Dude. Yeah. Not get, this, get this kid a speech therapist. <laughs> I'm, gonna oh, be, I'm gonna be a great granddad. Yeah. Oh, just the best. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna be just soft as snake's belly. You think you're all gonna be all badass now? Like I can't uh, wait. No, it, just oh, jelly. I can remember and you know, Jamie and I really I'm saying this in front, in front of one of my children. Um, we, you know, we weren't really excited about having kids. We weren't really kid people, and we kind of figured that if we're gonna ha- if we're gonna do it, we got to do it now because we we've been married six years and it's it was time. Either clock was ticking and we're gonna have, we had two, and Sophie's here with us today because we didn't want to have an only child, and so Sophie is why she's here. So which worked out pretty good. Uh, did you know that? Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, man, we just created a whole new issue no, for her. We're pretty transparent about that. <laughs> um, I don't know where I was going with all this. Oh, I know what it was. But I remember whenever Reagan, my oldest, was born, and before that, I wasn't a super emotional guy. Man, something triggered something inside of me, and I turned into a sap. Like, there'd be a commercial on TV, and I'd, Jamie would look over there, and I'm like, got a tear running in my face. And she goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There must be something in baby poop or in diapers or something has to do with babies that gets in your system and makes you emotional especially with daughters and, and it's oh yeah especially with I mean, multi- you, it's, you it's know. estrogen man dude what it must be <laughs> i don't know it, it really is different with boys and girls but is we, it dude we took a completely we never you, do this we normally you, stick you on started topic. it yeah no dude. we normally stick on thanks, topic thanks dude yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> all right all right till next time yeah let's do it